Hey everybody, it's Dave here and Darren over there. We're your two old bloggers. Been blogging about the Minnesota Vikings publicly for over two decades apiece, and we're here today to talk about them once again. Because we got news. We have news this week. Yes, we do. Viking season may have ended, and we'll find out. Do you think it's a success or a failure? We've moved on from our defensive coordinator, Ed Donatelle. We'll talk about some of the news that's come out as to who the Vikings are looking to interview. And then we will get into drafting better. Quasi will have to do a good job come the draft this year, which Vikings fans can go to. It's in Kansas City. That's a, It's a decent drive, but you could make it so that we can fill some of the perceived holes and get better. Next on Two Old Blockers. Climb in the pocket, Baby Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. Starting now. Hey everybody, Dave here once again. Darren over there in the Great White North. How are things, Darren? Much better today. I was lying horizontal most yesterday on the, uh, uh, the bed some sort of food poisoning or something like that. So that's why we're going on to Sunday today instead of Saturday. I just uh, couldn't answer the bell yesterday, but here today. So all's good. How about you, Dave? Well, we all know it happens at least once in our lives, if you're lucky. Uh, things going great down here in Texas. It's a bit chilly. Uh, but other than that, we've had an exciting week of Vikings news, and it's time to get into it. We named this episode the 2022 season, Success, Failure, Gone. <laughs> we wanted to because uh, those are some of the things we're going to discuss today. Now on to theme one. And as I scroll down, I want to thank everybody for joining us today. That includes Julian, Clifford, GMAC, Davey. Uh, I'm hoping to see lovely Miss Mary on. She has not joined yet, but I hope she's here. And uh, anybody else that is watching, because I know you are. I can see the number. There's Mary. Hey, Sean, how you doing? Are you ready to start today? First thing you wanted to talk about, whoop, not that one, was... <laughs> Success or failure? Success or failure for both the new head coach, Kevin O'Connell, and then the new GM, Equacia uh, Dofa Mensa, Dave. Uh, when they, and it, it's easy for us to look at, I think, to look at, geez, we had a 13 and 4 season. We're one and done in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, and look at that as being very disappointing and, and maybe a bit of a failure. And every year, if you don't win the Super Bowl, I guess your season for most teams is a failure, I think. But um, when these guys got hired last year, Quasi Adolfo Mensa first, and then Quasi Adolfo Mensa selected Kevin O'Connell as the head coach, uh, you, I, lots of Vikings fans, we were very excited to see what these two guys 
would bring, particularly with Kwesi Dofamensen, that analytical uh, background that he'd had and how that might make things, uh, how that would make things different and how the Vikings go about getting players and assembling the team and all of that. And, and I think that um, overall, uh, first off with Kevin O'Connell, I don't think we can say anything despite the the playoff loss against the Giants last week. Uh, I think a huge successful year for Kevin O'Connell. You know, just taking a team, 13 and four, first NFC North division title since 2017, got that, gets to the playoffs. Uh, he also, a guy with an offensive background, we were looking for him to to take the offense. Dave, you and I talked about it a lot last year about how we want to see this team be a top 10 offense. Well, at least scoring points wise, they were a top 10 offense, eighth actually in the league in, in points scored. So mission accomplished there. Um, you, you know, he was able to get a team that he, he, he cultivated a team and a culture that overcame a lot of adversity during the during uh, games. Uh, they won some games that the Vikings wouldn't did not win in the in the years previous to that, and particularly in the Mike Zimmer uh, regime. Uh, particularly thinking about that, yeah, yeah, that you know the Buffalo game on the road against a very good team uh, and down early in that one, they win that one, and even the even as surprising as it was the way that game started to come back and from a 33 to nothing deficit and win that game against the Colts. Those are games that the Vikings would have, would have not had no business winning in previous years. So a lot of good things there. Uh, Yes. He's got stuff to improve on play calling and short yardage situations, that sort of thing. Uh, But everybody's got, stuff that they need to improve on but i you know for me kevin o'connell successful definitely successful rookie season for him no doubt about it Uh, you can pick at things here and there but overall he gets two thumbs up for me uh adolfo mensa though uh, go ahead dave it looks like you're gonna well i was gonna say uh that (sighs) determining success and failure a lot of times is on point of view how you view it now, we look, we love the stats. We're stats nerds. We love to look at every individual performance. We love to look at box score stats, yards, scoring, etc., and go, well, we did as good or better than last year. We did better, so that's an improvement. That's a success, right? We did yep. the the whole you talked you hinted on culture, the whole idea of Say Kirk Cousins, though his stats were down, his mentality changed and culture, mentality and culture are related. That he would take those shots, he would go for that three on one coverage to Justin Jefferson in the Buffalo game, and we had a chance to get it. And he came down with the greatest catch ever. That's a mentality, that's an improvement. We call that success. There are people, however, that say, no, success is only, only if you win the Super Bowl. Well, sorry to say, folks, that comes far and few between for every team in the NFL, not just your Minnesota Vikings, who have yet to do it. They're one of a handful of teams that have yet to do it. But even the ones that have won Super Bowls, it's far and few between. One of them plays tonight. Well, two of them play tonight when we're talking Dallas and San Francisco. 
How long has it been since Dallas has won a Super Bowl? It's been a generation. So and let's hope it's much longer. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we don't mind. As Vikings fans, we don't mind. But if you're basing your view on success and failure on just on winning the Super Bowl, you're going to be disappointed more times than not. And what we're saying is not necessarily to do that, but look at the individual pieces. Look at different things that were improved. Did things get better? Yes, we won more games. That's an improvement, right? Players, Justin Jefferson had over 1,800 yards. That's an improvement of his versus previous season. Were we as efficient moving the ball as the previous season? No. Uh, when it comes to stats, no, we weren't. But did we? Did it give us more points? Yes, it did. There was you, there's things you could look at, and if you start making excuses, well, things weren't perfect. Well, we talked about the fans that think Super Bowl winning is the ultimate success. Well, if you're wanting perfection, I'm sorry, that's a smaller subset than the Super Bowl winning. Because nothing can be perfect all the time, nor can you achieve it when you're talking football, which is a dynamic team sport with you're starting at 90-some-odd players in the preseason and you move on throughout the season. There's no way to get perfection. It's impossible. So you've got to take it down as, was it better than the previous year or the previous regime? And there was a lot of things that went into last year that you hit upon that Kevin O'Connell, I think, made it a success. Granted, we'd love to be playing this weekend. We'd love to be moving on to the NFC Championship. We'd love to be playing the Super Bowl and win that. But that's not going to happen. And not this year, obviously, because we got our butts whomped or should have shouldn't have lost to the Giants last week. So we got to look at it as a whole, and as a whole, I do believe it was a success. Now, what were some of those keys to that success? Well, I, I think I think first off, I wanted to touch on also Kwesi Adova Mensa and, and his first year and how I felt that he um, and how he performed and where I think his first year was a bit more of a mixed bag maybe than Kevin O'Connell's. Uh, first off, hiring Kevin O'Connell by him, if, if he was the, the main the main guy pushing for that, and we know the Vikings uh, had a, a bit of a like a, a decision-making uh, group. Group, <laughs> uh, yes. That, you know, there was much collaboration and all of that, and he, Kwesi Dovinetsa, <laughs> talked about that when, when he joined. But but selecting Kevin O'Connell as the, as the Vikings head coach, uh, that was a uh, you know a huge win and uh, you know successful decision by Quasi Mensa. Kevin O'Connell he's young he, he walks talks acts like a, like he was born to be a head coach that seems like a uh, after one year it, it you know early but it looks like that was a slam dunk uh, success right there um, the the trade for TJ Hawkinson. That was a huge, huge win for Quasi Dofamensa. You've got the numbers up there. The guy ended up with over 80 catches, over 900 yards. Some of that was with Detroit, but that might have been the best trade in the NFL this year. And Quasi Dofamensa made that. He pulled that one off. Uh, so that was a huge, 
a plus two thumbs up move by Quasi Adolfo Mensa. Um, and, uh, but on other t- uh, moves, uh, his other trades, maybe not so much. Uh, Ross Blackhawk, uh, the defensive lineman we got from the Texans. Yeah, we didn't, we only gave up a six rounder for him, but he was a flop. Uh, didn't make much of an impact when he did play. And then he was uh, a healthy scratch for the last five games in the playoffs. Uh, that trade isn't looking too good, even though the compensation we gave up was minimal. The Jalen Rager trade, where we gave up a seventh this year and a conditional fourth next year in the 2024 draft, which the way things are looking now was probably going to be a fifth round pick. Uh, you know, Rager, uh, yeah, he was our main punt returner, but other than that, he hardly ever played either. And this is a former number one pick. So that that move, that trade is not looking all that great for Quasi Dovermensa right now. Well, and I um, put the punt stats on this slide as well as PFF grades. And if you notice on the slides of the PFF grades that don't have numbers mm-hmm. such and such of such and such, that means they don't yeah. have enough reps um, percentage-wise to fall into their categorizing and ranking system. But you can see on the punt returns, which we hoped he would be very good at, yeah. he only averaged 8.8 yards when he did return it. Um, my goal is always to get minimum nine, more likely 10 or more. And he didn't quite reach that nine-yard average. He's close, but not quite. So I agree with you. He was by far not a s- success. Now, maybe... Kevin O'Connell using him in a, a trick player sort of role, doing the sweeps and stuff like that. Because we know once he gets the ball, he can run yeah. rather well. It's getting the ball or the process of getting the ball if he's trying to catch it that he has issues with. So I agree with you there. So the the, the Rhaegar trade, um, getting back to Quasi Dofamensa, if you look at his, his main free agent signings, Zedaria Smith, that was like a huge win early on in the year, uh, particularly the first eight or nine games when he was being talked about as potentially defensive um, NFL defensive player of the year. Then after that, um, his play dropped off, uh, became much quieter in his impact in the game. Uh, I felt the last nine or so games – and he, uh, whether that was because of injury or he ran, was running out of gas a little bit, we know that he had a knee knee contusion mm-hmm. that was a big problem for him. But uh, but uh, Zadaria Smith still, I think, a, a, a good signing by Quasi Dofamensa, But it was much much better earlier in the year than it was later in the year. Well, um, and you can see how he ranked against his compadre. Yeah, tenth in pass rush. So even yeah. with that knee contusion and the drop off, visible drop off, it's on the second half. He did well. Now, if you look at that bottom one, it's covered up by Clifford's comment, coverage grade. He was 34th out of 49. That's not a good coverage grade. Now, you ask why coverage grade, the 3-4, your outside linebackers, your edge guys, go into coverage a lot. Because that's part of their definition as an outside linebacker, you go into coverage. As I've explained it, in this style of defense, usually the weak side outside linebacker slash edge is responsible for flat. Uh, If something goes around in front of his face or into the flat, he's required to drop off. You look at the other scores at his pass rushing and run stopping, 
and you see he's very good. Now, could he play a in the hand, dirt in the hand type of traditional defensive end, like in a four three setup? No, I don't know that he can. At least not well. I would propose that he stays in the Joker rule role. And we've talked about that in previous podcasts, where he's available to move around wherever he feels it's possible to match up against the poorest player on the offensive side, blocking-wise, and attack it that way. Whereas I think the number one graded defensive player, Daniel Hunter, of the season, is better in that traditional hand-in-the-dirt edge role. And when looking at his grades, his coverage grades weren't great either. So, which may have led to why Ed Donatel later gets fired. But just yeah. just my opinion, I wanted to point that out, that the whole idea of a 3-4 and these guys in coverage may not be a smart move. Not that the 3-4 is bad. The concepts behind it but that uh, execution and maximizing your players' abilities to achieve improvement may be uh, what we're looking for. Um, you've got, uh, so again, Smith, one of those free agent signings. Uh, a couple of the others uh, that Quasi Dovamensa got, Harrison Phillips. Harrison Phillips I thought was just kind of okay. Um, you know, they, they, he plays a different kind of role, uh, you know, a plugger, run stuffer, so you may not notice him as much. But, uh, you know, he wasn't a huge difference maker, I felt, and, and the Vikings weren't good, really that great stop in the run, so some work to be done there. Uh, but Phillips is still young, and this was his first year in a new environment and a new new team with a new coaching staff. So we can, I think, expect potentially this uh, next year being him playing better than he did this past year. Uh, Jordan Hicks, the other guy, um, I just thought he, he you know, uh, I didn't feel, feel that he played very well all year. He looked uh, kind of slow, particularly in pass coverage. Maybe not surprising because he's thirty one, but. That wasn't really a, a great signing. I, I felt pretty good about Hicks when when we got him, but um, you know he he disappointed in the inside for me as did Eric Kendricks. Uh, so um, those were some of uh, and so free agent signings a bit of a mixed bag, not a huge amount of slam dunks. And then Quasi's first draft, uh, we know it was very defense heavy, but none of those guys really made much of an impact. Partly a large case because of injuries, of Caleb Evans with the concussions, Andrew Booth with the knee injury, and the handy before that, and of course Lewis Seen with the with the broken, the fractured uh, leg and, and the ankle, and uh, really the only guy that made an impact this year was the guy you got up there, Ed Ingram at right guard. But a lot of times his impact wasn't all that great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right, uh, you look at those scores, and I went and looked at. Vikings players that have played guard over the last few years. And believe it or not, rookie seasons, that's only that's second overall grade that is second only to Ezra Cleveland, mm-hmm. which surprised me. It's better than Ole Udo was. It's better than Drew Shamia. It's better than all those guys that we've had play guard. It's We know this position takes time to develop. Primary example is uh, Garrett Bradbury. He took to his fourth year before he showed signs of life. Uh, but it's 
it takes time. And did we have anybody else that could fill in or that the coaches wanted to fill in? The obvious answer was no, or they would have. Um, and he took his lumps. There were times of, wow, look at him play, right? And he knocked the snot out of some defenders. And there was other times where you just go, come on, Ed, <laughs> you overset again. You know, you had both. And we expect improvement next season from him as well. Hopefully that second-year jump like Darisaw had or even Ezra improved his second year and then greatly in his third year. Indeed. Um, so it, with Quasi Dovimensa, for me, a bit of a mixed bag uh, up and down and as far as the decisions and, and the trades he made and the free agent signings he made in his draft, um, Kevin O'Connell – very successful first year, but but still, uh, these guys. I, I overall, I feel really good about where the Vikings are are uh, are headed with these two. I think again, the, the first year overall was a success to me. These two guys are young, they're driven, they're smart. Uh, I feel again, I feel pretty good about where the Vikings are headed with them, uh, especially with them taking a team, uh, getting a, a division title out of a roster that I thought really the ceiling of this team is kind of 10 and seven in a wild card berth for them to go 13 and four and squeeze 13 wins out of that roster, uh, get a divisional title. Well, um, you know, there's, for me, there's no other way, but to, to call the season a success based on my expectations coming into the season and looking at what everybody had to work with. And like you said, looking at where the Vikings were uh, in previous years and various aspects of the team. I agree, and we'll finish up this segment with those two guys. They paired up. They seem to work great. They've obviously learned some lessons from last season, and we'll see how it goes moving forward. They've had to make some tough decisions, and they've made them. That's a good thing. They weren't paralyzed by it. So, Of course, the trick is always building on. You have a yep. very successful first season, then you got to build on it, or else constantly if, improve. If you if you go if you backslide, then then the fans start to grumble a lot more than than they did this year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Sean says good news, folks. Defense can only get better; can't get worse next year. Sean never say that. Um, <laughs> it can always get worse. We have seen it happen before, so yes, we expect it to get better. Most likely it will, but we did finish 31st most overall. That means worse would be 32nd, so it could get worse. Hopefully, they should improve, and hopefully they will. There's a lot of things that will go into that that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. So that brings us to our first sponsor of the day. That's Badass Wood Art. Lewis making his great stuff, uh, be it commission, something you want, or some of the Viking stuff. He is always there, willing to do it. Just go to badasswoodart.com or contact him via Twitter, and you can always use the promo code CTPOCKET to get 20% off that piece. He does some great stuff. Thanks there, Lewis. And now... Boom, boom, we move on to theme two. The gone part. 
Here we are talking about things that are gone, in particular this man. Viking fans won't have Ed Donatel to kick around anymore, Dave, because <laughs> on Thursday, Kevin O'Connell made the, made the decision, the right decision, to uh, fire uh, Ed Donatel as defensive coordinator for the Vikings. Um, I don't think you're going to find any Vikings fan or anybody who followed the team throughout the, the 2022 season who would disagree with that decision. Mm-hmm. had to be done. Uh, Ed Donatel's defenses were just uh, – they weren't tough for de- uh, opponents to play against. They didn't strike any fear in opponents. Uh, they weren't hard for uh, opponents to figure out, as we saw. So – uh, something had to be done. Something had to change. And and the first thing that you do, you change in this case is you 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 get rid of a defensive coordinator who who didn't um, take this. Actually, had a unit that wasn't very good last year, very, very bad last year, and they actually even regre- regressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know the this this was a decision that had to be done. Can't disagree with Kevin O'Connell uh, making this decision. And uh, and there was a. You know, I saw a little bit of chatter during the week about if O'Connell doesn't make this decision, I'm going to lose faith in him. Well, he made the decision. So he made the decision. He made the now, decision. Before we get into certain things about this, were there any players that did improve on the defensive side? First Patrick Peterson. Patrick I would Peterson, say Patrick Peterson did. Yeah, he definitely did. Uh, if you, you compared to the year before, uh, compared to the year before. You can't Many tell Duke Shelley because Duke Shelley wasn't with us. Um, no. But that would be was- close to about it. I mean, the guys in the front line, they stayed about the same. They did okay, right, whether it be Tomlinson or Phillips. But you wanted to get Peterson. onto this. Whose fault was it in the Giants game? Well, it wasn't Kirk Cousins' fault. Uh, I'm, I'm the reason that we're not playing. We didn't play yesterday, uh, or the reason we're not playing San Francisco today, and maybe uh, is is 100% defense. You, I I believe that completely. Uh, I don't want. Uh, I yeah. There's there was again chatter about how oh how could Cousins throw a three yard pass to T.J. Hawkinson with a guy draped all over him on fourth and eight. Uh, yeah, I get the check that. down was bad. But Kirk Cousins wasn't the one guy that let the Giants offense run for 443 yards or whatever astronomical number that was. Nope. Kirk Cousins uh, played a very good game. Uh, and All except that, for that last play, he was rocking it. And if you – but if, if our defense had been able to stop the Giants more than we one time – We wouldn't have had that last play. No. No, you wouldn't have had that last play. You wouldn't have had to worry about it. So uh, I, I I, don't think – we've got a really smart group that usually tunes into our games, Dave, so I don't think anybody is blaming Cousins for, for that loss and hanging oh, on Oh, there was him. quite a bit of chatter who blamed Cousins, but like I said, I don't care. <sighs> you could have a great quarterback. If your defense gives up that many yards for, what was it, nine games in the regular season and the and – the Giants came in the postseason, you're going to have a hard time. A yeah. really, really, really hard time. And the fact that they did it nine times in the regular season and we still came out with a 13-4 and four record says something. It does. Um, 
So don't don't want to I don't want to hear anything about cousins. And there goes the weekly Wi-Fi shitting the bed up in Canada. Uh, what Darren was about to say, he didn't want to hear anything about it. It was Cousins' fault because that game, Cousins played great most of the game. Uh, as much as I have consternation over that checkdown pass, that it was a reversion to his old self, that that checkdown pass shouldn't have mattered at all. And uh, it was, if the defense had played better, got stops, We'd have never been talking about it. So, on to the next one. Oh, Ed Donatel. Why have I got Vic Fangio up there next? Oh, this is because what happened the previous year, Ed Donatel was hired because he was a Vic Fangio disciple, but he hadn't called plays in forever. But eight of the 11 years Donatel had been defensive coordinator, his defense had been top 15 or better in points given up. That's eight of 11. That's not bad. That's why he got hired. But how much of that was Vic Fangio in Denver in particular or at Donatel? Or Donatel up in Green Bay. We don't know. That's what it was. Um, Sean Reynolds, you're envious of Philly's organization. Why is that? Now we're going to bring Darren back in. Boom. There he is. That's the weekly uh, Northern Lights impacting your Wi-Fi. Yeah, no, the Wi-Fi went down. Only one so far. What did yeah. I miss? Uh, just talking about Donatel and his record that got him hired. The eleven out of or eight out of eleven years top fifteen defense. Yes, and how it worked out. Uh, but it did not. And I was saying, well, was that Fangio or was that Donatel? Well, you know what? What was it when he was in Green Bay? Who was? the one most responsible, and it may not have been Donatel. He just may have been a facilitator and and possibly a good teacher or motivator. That's fine. I love the way he talked. There's some things in the way he talked to us during press conferences that sounded great. But yes, when you're not producing – and you make statements about change, and then no, there's no visible change. And there's no visible change until late when your coach has to call you out during the season to make changes. There, There's a problem. And with it was a gentle problem, calling out. Gentle, yeah, gentle calling yeah. out. By well, it was. It wasn't a Mike Zimmer style of call out. Mike Zimmer would have fried him in a – in, if he was the one calling the plays, he'd have to fry himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if he was, say, the offensive coordinator, he would have a torched him yes. like he did DiFilippo. Um, it's no, it, it is what it is. Uh, I think Kevin O'Connell struggled with having to fire somebody. It's 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 part of leadership, but especially when you're early in that, 
that you have to take upon yourself. Uh, I'm the I'm the guy. I hired him. He's not producing. Now I got to fire him. That's always hard because you've invested time. You've invested part of yourself. You've hoped. You've tried to help him as best you can. And it's, you know, you get to the point where, sorry, guy, you ain't hacking it. So I got to let you go. And that's what happened. And it's tough. It's a tough move. We saw it in the press conference on Wednesday. He looked beat. He looked drained. Quasi didn't look that bad. But Kevin did. And I think it was because they had already probably made the decision or about to, and they just hadn't acted upon it yet. And it, it, it takes a toll. But it's part of that learning process. It's part of that getting better. We talked about Kevin in the offense earlier about getting better for next season. It'll be the second year in the system. Well, this will be the second year of him and how to deal with his coaches and run things. Because as a head coach, it's different than, you know, hey, you could be calling plays, you could be an offensive assistant, quarterback coach, whatever, right? You're responsible for your little bit. As a head coach, you're responsible for making all those little bits work together seamlessly. And that's not easy. It's a huge jump. On top of getting thrown with, hey, we've got this press deal. Hey, these this you know big donor partial owner wants to do this and that and oh the water tank burst in the facilities who should we get to you know do it and it's those things you know why am I answering that question type deal go find the you know lead facility manager or whatever right all those things hit hit a head coach that they don't see on their way up to that position. So I think it's, I think it's good. Yeah. The, uh, there's going to be, I think um, um, naturally there's going to be, um, I know amongst Viking fans that we're seeing it online and that sort of thing. There's, there's going to be a desire now after watching a 65 year old Donatel's passive defenses all season uh, bleed yards. There's going to be a, a, um, there's going to be a, I think a desire from fans to see somebody younger with a more aggressive talk and, and, uh, and attitude uh, and who's got newer ideas of fresher schemes. Um, we're starting and all kinds of names have been coming out. Uh, a lot of them with um, that are linked uh, that have either coached um, with O'Connell or, or, or were on coaching staffs when he played. Uh, you've got some of them up here everywhere from Mike Pettin, who's already on the Viking staff, by the way, to Raheem Morris, Brian Flores, who the Vikings have requested permission to to interview for the, the D.C. job, Jim Leonard, the Wisconsin defensive coordinator and interim head coach who's left that that program. Uh, so, and, and I I know that Dave, the, the, one of the big criticisms was Ed Donatel doesn't doesn't blitz enough. Uh, and I would like to see the next defensive coordinator dial, dial up more blitzes, but blitzing all the time isn't the only way you can improve right. the defense. I just want to see more interior pressure, um, yeah. more pressure on the quarterback. How you get there, it doesn't necessarily – you are 100% correct. It doesn't necessarily have to be through blitzes. If you've got some kick-ass guys in the middle, like we saw – even last week with the Giants, or we saw last night with the Eagles, you get pressure with three or four guys if they're good enough to get to get that pressure. And it doesn't have to be blitzes. But the pressure is what's key. And however you get that done 
as long as you're getting pressure, we're happy because that puts the QB off his game and it gives the defense the advantage. You talked about the report that uh, Flores has been asked to be interviewed. He's one of three that has popped up so far. You have Ryan Nielsen of the Saints. He's the co-DC down there. He's been asked. Was their defensive line coach previous to that? Previously. And uh, he's good. You have also this morning Sean Desai of Seattle. He's been asked as well. Those are the three names that have come out so far. We will see how they're doing. Friend of the show, friend of mine, Mr. Ted Glover is doing in-depth little blurps on these guys on what their winning records were, how their defenses did, yards and uh, and rankings and stuff like that. So you can get a look. You have tomorrow night's show with Tyler Fornos, the real Forno show. Tyler is also looking up how, how what sort of formations while these guys were coaches, do they play in? What are their percentages of running blitzes or doing cover quarter-quarter match style of coverage or, you know, all the different styles. So we know that we can hopefully, when the decision is made, come in and say, hey, this is this guy's tendencies. How can we see him working with what we have on defense or what we're going to get on defense and molding it into his vision and how that's going to help the Vikings. Um, Wang asked, do you put Daniil Hunter as defensive tackle to generate pressure? Wang, I think as a, as a traditional defensive end edge type, I think he's great. He's been good when he moves down into that five technique, three technique spot. Um, it, it depends on how you're going to run the defense. And, and if you want to shake it up every once in a while, like Zimmer did on occasion, that helps too. It, it helped defeat the Saints. So he can do that. He's not your traditional inside defensive tackle, um, but he can do that. And the right mix and match, the little stew that you're mixing together can make for some Beautiful, beautiful things. I think that that would be a bit of a waste of Hunter's talents, though, with the way the, the three-four usually uses the defensive tackles. Though, uh, right. you, everybody will remember when he moved uh, when Zimmer moved him and Griffin inside in the New Orleans playoff game, and Sean Payton talked about how that really screwed them up. They weren't expecting that. That worked because you had a four-three, and all the defensive tack- defensive linemen were rushing the passer. Uh, but in a three-four, I don't know if putting Hunter in the middle like that in the inside is such a great, great idea. Um, Some things I would like to see though, Dave, just basic things from the new defensive coordinator, whoever it is, is, is one, I'd like to see more crowding, more guys at the line of scrimmage. Uh, It seemed that we got outflanked a lot on particularly on running plays. We were too light in the box and teams really found it, found it easy to get to the edge and run on us both inside and outside. Uh, I'd like to see our safety get put up into the box a bit more. We never really, we very rarely had a safety going up in the box to make it, uh, again, put a little extra fortification up front on run plays and also as a threat, as a blitzer on pass plays. 
And again, the other stuff is like uh, way too much. We were way too soft in coverage, didn't jam or try to press wide receivers enough and make it harder for them to get off the line of the scrimmage. Uh, those are uh, some of the things I want to see a new defensive coordinator employ uh, uh, that we didn't see under Ed Donatel. And the other thing that uh, is, I think is important is that uh, one thing that Ed Donatel was not responsible for is that we had a pretty old defense. We had three starter, uh, five starters on our defense who were 30, over 30 years old or older. Peterson, Hitman, um, uh, Zedarius Smith, Jordan Hicks, Eric Kendricks, all of them are 30 or over. Uh, not many defenses do you see have that many 30-plus-year-olds as starters on their team. And we looked, again, as, as uh, we mentioned Give me a before, second. We I need to get slow. You we keep talking. Slow. We look slow. Yeah, we look slow on, on that uh, many times on the defensive end of things. And that's going to have to change, Dave, I think, for the Vikings to really turn things around on the defensive side because um, the NFL is a young young man's game. If uh, you've got guys who are a little bit a step or two too old, uh, or sorry, a step or two too slow, um, you see that in coverage. You see that in in a whole in a whole bunch of aspects on the defense, and let's hope that this defensive coordinator finally re- really uh, has a knack. I think or puts a focus on tackling fundamentals because I thought that this Vikings defense was not a very poor tackling team, a lot of missed tackles in the open field. Maybe again, part of that is because some of our inside linebackers were older, uh, and uh, they a lot of times we'd see we'd make first contact with a a ball carrier or receiver, but they drag us three or four extra yards beyond the point of contact. Yeah. And it was frustrating. Uh, so uh, th- those are some base four basic things that, I, uh, that I'd like to see the new defensive coordinator uh, uh, act upon and, and fix. Mm-hmm. I agree. We should find out more as the week goes on. As I told Mary, the, the process may be slow, Remember last season, we had that uh, the collaboration group where you had Brez and a bunch of the other people in there when they went through the hiring process. They were doing that also with the DC and OC. They were going through that to help Kevin make a decision. They A lot of times they would interview people, you know, in that first interview round, go through stuff. Do they meet the Vikings' minimum needs? Uh, desires, whatever that is for the Vikings. Do they fit the culture? Do they do this? Do they do that? They turn out like and go, Kevin, which out of these bunch do you think will be good? Then Kevin can make that choice. Hopefully it can happen. There are plenty of lists out there of where he might stop of people that are attached to him in some way, some fashion, like Flores in New England back in the day that uh, we could be looking at, but it's going to be interesting to see. Um, Freddie asked why we're half man playing zone or playing man, half playing zone. Believe it or not, you can have hybrids, Freddie, that do that. And it depends on the zone rules. The zone rule may change if a receiver does X. Um, Then it goes, that guy in the zone then has responsibility to carry him out in a man on situation. Uh, If it was, Designed that way with this half playing man and this half playing zone, that was a failure because as soon as you do that, 
and somebody goes from zone to man and there's nobody to cover him because the other man guys are already cover, are already covering their receivers, then you've got a problem. And that's what looked like happens. That's why during the play you've got to have smart enough players on the defense to be able to read it, whether they're zone man mixtures of rules, they've got to know that those rules are, A, if these guys on this side are suddenly manned up and I'm in the zone on this side and my guy goes across my face, I now have to keep with him in a man-type situation. I can't say, oh, he's now in the other zone. Uh, and I think that's the problem that happened last week. And it, it's hard to do. It's complicated defense. That's why it takes time and it takes smart people to be able to do that and why we didn't have that this season or why it wasn't coached well enough is the reason I think Ed Donatel got fired. So hopefully that makes sense. Now we're on to our favorite time of the show, Lake Monster Brewing. I'm wearing the cap. You see that uh, on tap this week. There's nothing new, but a couple things have fallen off. No big deal. I am drinking the last of my empty rowboat right now. It's what you've seen me in this goblet uh, drinking dark, bitter IPA. Love it. It is great. I sent Matt a message that this is uh, a damn good beer. And uh, he replied, after this, I'll be drinking more depth charge, regular IPA, which is a more citrusy, lighter color because I'm out of the empty rowboat. But for you, you want a really, really good beer. Variety of chances. Go over to Lake Monster in St. Paul. It's right across the river. And try. They've got some great stuff there. Absolutely delicious. You meet good friends. Have a good time. Watch some of the playoff games on the big screens. You can't knock it. So uh, have fun and enjoy your Lake Monster beer. Now on to theme three. Boom. You wanted to talk about capitalizing on the draft. Well, on the defensive side, Dave, it's been more not capitalizing on, on the on the draft when it comes to defensive players. But you know, we've got a bit. We we just talked in the previous segment about the Vikings' defense and Donatel uh, getting rid of him was the right move. Now we're looking for a new defensive coordinator and all and what we want to see or what I want to see from the new defensive coordinator. But, uh, but the other thing that, you know, yeah, the next defensive coordinator, we're going to be expecting them to, we're going to expect them to make a big impact on how this unit performs in 2023. And we're expecting it to, we're hoping that the defensive coordinator can have a big impact on improving it in 2023 uh, from what we've seen. Um, but a big reason, you know, if, but if you look at, to me, when I look at it, if uh, the Vikings defense, the past three years has not finished any higher than when it comes to points given up, uh, it's has not, hasn't finished any higher than 24th in the NFL Mm -hmm. and in yardage given up, it hasn't finished any higher than 27th. So this defense has been bad for three years now. Um, and one of the reasons it's it's been bad is because we haven't been able to we have we've drafted very poorly uh, with uh, when it comes to getting defensive uh, players in the draft we haven't been able to get impact 
players, studs on the defensive side of the ball in a long time. In 2015, this is the last time. Yeah. In 2015, we drafted these two guys, Eric Kendricks in the second round out of UCLA and Daniil Hunter in the third round out of LSU. And they have been studs. They've been great players for us. No doubt about that. And, uh, and they've been impact players and they were able. And the fortunate thing was that the Vikings, when they drafted those two guys, we already had a core of young outstanding uh, you know outstanding to pretty good players we drafted previously on the defensive side of the ball Harrison Smith Everson Griffin Brian Robeson Anthony Barr before he started getting dinged up a lot so uh, th- those guys were already there and they and so Kendricks and Hunter were able to complement that so we had a lot of high performing player defensive players that we had drafted in the early rounds well since 2015 it's been pretty much zero uh, as far as uh, of the success we've had drafting defensive players. Uh, and that's pretty much most of that, almost 99% at this point, is all on former G- general manager Rick Spielman. But you look at it, Mackenzie Alexander in 2016, second rounder. He was he was a disappointment. Mike Hughes is in 2018, first rounder. A lot of injuries there. He was a disappointment. You'd have to say he was a bust. Jeff Gladney. Didn't work out uh, as a first rounder. He was a bust for legal reasons, and uh, and then unfortunately he passed away in that car accident uh, a little while ago. But the the high picks we've chosen since 2015 on the defensive side, and, and granted there haven't been a lot of them, but but those high picks have not worked out. And then on in the mid to later rounds, the Vikings haven't gotten lucky either. Like uh, if you look at guys like DJ Wanham, who we selected, James Lynch. Um, uh, Jalen Holmes, Jaleel Johnson, those guys have either been terrible players or they're just guys at this point, like James Lynch Mm -hmm. or DJ Wanham. So we're just not getting enough impact guys. Uh, And to replace, they haven't been been able to step in and take significant roles and be impact players to replace guys like Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, uh, and in the in the who and Barr who's now gone and playing for Dallas, but as those guys got older and not quite as effective, we haven't had younger guys on the defensive side of the ball that we've drafted uh, step in there and 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 replace those guys and replace their level of performance when they were at their peak. And I think and that's and so you've either got to get free agent guys to step into their positions, or you got to use. You're, you're the players on your roster who aren't all that good to do that, and and so far it's it's led to just a, a, a like a gradual and down uh, decline in the defensive performance, and and now we're at the at the at the bottom of the barrel, and it's going to be Quasi Adolfo Mensa's job now uh, to draft some defensive players. And, and really nail them and, and get some selections that are, are going to be really good players for us. Uh, the last draft, his first draft was very high on the defensive side of the ball. Five of the first six picks were defensive players, but we talked about it earlier, Brian Asamoa, um, uh, Lewisine, Andrew Booth, injuries in a lot of cases, in some cases had impacted them, uh, and they just didn't really make much of an impact at all on the Vikings in 2022 maybe in 2023 it'll change but 
the, we the hope it does in 2023. Yeah. We hope all the returns. These guys. Yeah, exactly. The returns from those guys in 2022 were minimal. Um, but on the defensive but, side, yeah, it wasn't impactful. Uh, offensive side, you had Ed Ingram. I think the most valuable non-drafty free agent was this guy, rookie. Ryan Wright, yes. the punter. Mm-hmm. And when a punter is your best rookie year, that's usually uh, not a great thing. Yeah, it's not a great deal. But this man didn't help at all. And uh, that's why we hope next year is going to be better. Better draft, better coaching. But we need to start selecting some defensive players. Guys like Micah Parsons or, or Patrick Sertain uh, early in the draft. Guys that come in from the get-go and really and make an immediate positive impact on the defense. Uh, the the Cowboys defense was pretty poor too. Now now they've been building up their talent as they went along, but suddenly they get Mike Parsons last year and their defense takes a, a you know a, a great improvement and he he really changes the Cowboys defense and the amount of pressure they're getting and the way offenses have to combat him. So one player like a Micah Parsons can make a big difference mm-hmm. in how your defense performs. Um, and it, we got to also admit that Dan Quinn has done a very good job. A different defensive coordinator has done a very good job in Dallas as well. Right. But uh, we, with we Parsons just, and Diggs and yeah. the whole attitude down there has changed and our defense has gotten very good. And we're going to see it tested again tonight. So. We are, but we have not been able to get those young, new players, young players, faster players on the defensive side of the ball uh, to Since, impact the defense. Since Kendricks and Hunter, like imagine if Jeff Gladley had had the impact that Justin Jefferson has had on the offensive side of the ball. What a difference that would make with our, with our defense. We need to get one a Justin Jefferson on the defensive side of the ball. We need to get it soon. <laughs> or this defense is going, to, is going to be a long time before we climb out of that hole that we've got, even if you get a new defensive coordinator. Yep. Yep. I agree 100%. It's all up to this guy. Now, what's going to be different this year going into the draft versus last year Last year, he was working with Rick Spielman's yes. staff because they kept all the talent evaluators and stuff on to get through the draft. This year, he's had opportunities to change up that staff. I haven't heard of any, but he's had those mm-hmm. opportunities. I mean, we assume there's some, and these are people that you're not going to hear. You know, you're not going to see a tweet that the Vikings just – released so-and-so from the scouting department or the Vikings just hired this scout from whatever reason. You're not going to hear that. Or this analytic guy. Those are things that we don't see generally in public. You'd have to scour their website if they update it. They're slow to update sometimes. But it's going to be up to this man. I'm curious about this year's draft. And we've got a limited amount of picks. Right now it's four. We expect at least a fifth with a compensatory pick to come our way. But that's not a lot. I mean, you'd hope for a minimum seven, but he's got to work that. Now, obviously, we gave up one of those picks sort of for Hawkinson. We still got two picks back that we're going to use, but it's I'll take Hawkinson for the value of that pick any day of the week. So, um, But it, we're going to look at how he does, and hopefully 
it's he nails it on the defense because the defense is in dire, dire need of hitting it right. Because when we look at the present roster right now, and this may be hard for you. We get one of Dave's charts here. Yes, Dave's <laughs> charts. We see who are free agents on the right and currently on the left. There are a bunch of holes, folks, that need to be filled. Uh, we have no nickel corner as of right now. Chandon Sullivan was. We didn't have one. We didn't have one anyway. <laughs> last year. Um, uh, as much as I like Duke Shelley, I'd love to see him back. I'd love to see him adapt and play nickel, but he likes it on the outside. But he's a free agent. Patrick Peterson, who had probably a you know a renaissance year. I love his smarts and how he took in the young guys and was teaching them once a week. He's he's a free agent. What sort of price can we get him for? Uh, but there's all sorts of holes. But if Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth Jr. step up, if uh, Cameron Dancer figures out what, what in the world's bothering him and why he's so hot and cold sometimes, I mean, that'd be great. Uh, we're good at safety. Always, though we can always improve. The big deal is corner, that backside, and then our linebackers. Jordan Hicks is old. Yes, he's under contract, but he's only going to get worse because he's old. There's regression at certain ages. You got Brian Asamoah. I'll look forward to seeing more of him. Eric Kendricks is under contract, but again, old, and there's possible regressions. And you have Zadarius Smith, who's great at pet rushing the pass, but not in coverage. Daniil Hunter, great at rushing the pass, but not in coverage. And will the middle guys, Harrison Phillips, etc., uh, step up? Is Dalvin Tomlinson, who's a free agent, going to be allowed to walk? Are they going to make a move to keep Kyrus Tonga, which should be relatively easy because he's a exclusive rights free agent? It's uh, these things have to be filled. So as much as we may want to go, let's get another outstanding wide receiver to pair up with Justin Jefferson in there, you know, and make that offense absolutely superb. You still got to fill a lot of those holes on defense. So you got to figure out the best way to do it, where you get the most value. Is it the first round? And as I've told people online, you don't give up. First rounders are for premium picks, premium positions, uh, generally, and that is corner on a defense, that is uh, defensive edge on the defense. On offense, it's your quarterback, obviously, and wide receivers and left tackles. It's beyond that. You're you're overpaying unless you identify that one guy that absolutely stands out and can be above the rest. And where we're drafting in the 23rd pick, we're the 24th position, but we're picking 23rd because of the cheating by the Dolphins. Um, at that position, you can get a very good player that can usually start, whether it's on the defensive side, start and contribute, or if they go for that wide receiver to pair up with Jefferson, we don't know yet. It's going to be fun to watch. There's arguments both ways. Um but you got to remember, rookies are rookies, and there are very, very few of them that make a difference their rookie year. They may start and be adequate, 
Ed Ingram was adequate. He wasn't great. He wasn't too terrible. Um, <laughs> he didn't lose his job. He was good enough to keep his job, and he's good enough to beat out some vets. But that's the majority of rookies. Even first-rounders fall into that category. It's only a handful that will make an impact. And it's up to that man on the screen. Can he find those at the position we're picking or move to a position to pick them so that the Vikings can improve next season? Agreed? Agreed. And then some. Hold on a second. Got a call. Um, I'm still doing my show. Can I call you back? What? What? Do you want fast food? Do I want fast food? Sure. Give me. You know what I like. Bye. Um. <laughs> sorry about that. Daughter's out there wondering what kind of fast food. Um. But do you agree? It's going to be up to what Quasi does. Not only in the draft, but also in free agency, how to fill those holes. Yeah, we, we, and we'll be getting into it as the offseason goes, but you know, there's all kinds of things in play. The Vikings cap position, which is not great, but they'll get that sorted out so that they can be players to some degree, uh, just like they were last offseason. Uh, and, and then in the draft, uh, I'm glad you mentioned about what new scouts and uh, scouting staff he'd be having to help in the draft because, yes, uh, we assume that there's been some changes made there because he had Rick Spielman's old staff who wouldn't, who I, I would think wouldn't have the same, like they wouldn't be handpicked by Kwesi. And so uh, it, that might've impacted the kind of draft he had and, and the, and the data he was using to, to make those picks as well. Um, so uh, if, if he's made some changes to that and we imagine that he has the, the, this draft might look and the players he picks might look much a bit different than, than the last draft. And uh, hopefully the performance of those draft picks will be uh, much different as well. And, and, and by that, I mean uh, they uh, perform much better and actually get to play a bit. Yeah, we hope so. We hope so. Well, that brings us to the final part. And since you log back in, I've got to reload your image here. Bada boom, bada bing. It's going to be fun, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, going to be fun. And Clifford, you are right. The front offices have to start planning two, three, four years ahead. And, you know, and they hope everybody hits, but they have to have backup plans when somebody gets hurt, etc. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do it. Davey, yes. Would I love Jalen Carter? Absolutely. He would, he'd be great in the middle. Are we going to be able to trade up for an uh, individual that might go first in the draft or at least top 10? I, it's going to be hard to see. So... Uh, Dad, how much whiskey should I get? Uh, enough to get, first off, get whiskey that you enjoy, enough to give you that where you like to be, the buzz level you like to be, and enough to maintain it. Do not go over that level. It's unnecessary and a waste. Uh, GMAC asks, do we think they will extend Kirk Cousins? This is a big question across the internet this week. Of course it is. Um, and, and I would, 
Um, the way they've been handling, Dave, the way they've been handling it, this is with uh, like pre quasi anyway. So, uh, it's, uh, and even last year, but uh, it has been to extend him, to push the pain out of that big salary to future years. And uh, I think with the way that the team performed last year, uh, and the way Cousins performed with the new with the new attitude, and then taking more chances, and and the and how that all turned out, that I think that I'm expecting that they will try to extend him again another couple of years and lessen that cap hit this year. Um, Cousins has to agree to that, mind you. And so another million, important, I think, this year. Yeah, yeah. I think the the other and one thing that might impact their their decisions on this is what Justin Jefferson uh, thinks about it. Um, that's that's part of it. And are you going to get? Are you going to get? If you're looking to sign Justin Jefferson to an extension, I'm thinking that he's going to be want to sign with a team where he'll be comfortable with the quarterback situation is going. Right, and that's going to throw him the ball. There was rumblings he was a little upset that the ball wasn't thrown his way on that fourth and eight uh, deal at the end of the game, the Giants game. And you can't blame him because he had earned the trust. You should just throw it my way. I'll catch it. I don't care how many people are guarding me. I'll catch it. And he's going to play a big part in that. But the question whether extend Kirk Cousins, he is 35 years old or going to be 35 yes. years old for the season. 35 is generally the age when quarterbacks go and fall off the cliff. There are exceptions. Tom Brady is way an exception, right? Aaron Rodgers is an exception. But most of them hit that 35 range and start to fall apart. And that's not where you go with it. There's the cost. Obviously, he's under contract for next year. He has a no-trade clause that he would have to opt to waive if we wanted to go that route. You have options. You can say, yes, we want to extend you one or two more years. You can say, hey, we want to go four years. And then get burned if he, he falls off that age cliff uh, next year. And we saw s- some signs of that. I mean, his stats were lower. His mentality was better. The stats were lower. Um, or do you say, play it out? Uh, my my choice would be to bring him in and say, hey, you know, say, we want to talk extension, but first we're going to let you play it out this year before we make a decision. And then we want to go. We want you to play for it and see how well you do. Um, and if he doesn't like that because he doesn't like playing uh, in a last year of a contract, then say, well, if you don't like playing for it, give us permission to trade you. There are different ways to do it. But I don't think Cousins is the long-term answer. There are signs that he, yes, there's things he got a lot better at that I appreciated respect him for this year, like I didn't in previous years, the taking the hits, the getting the fourth quarter comebacks. But I don't see him physically getting that much better or lasting that much longer. And you're still going to come to the time, even with him, that you're looking at when Justin Jefferson hits his prime. He's, folks, you got to remember, Justin still hasn't entered his prime yet. That are you going to be changing quarterbacks then? Um, so it's 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 a it's a quandary. 
I wouldn't extend him right now. I'd tell him to play it out. But that's Dave's personal opinion. GMAC thinks Cousins is top guy. We may have gotten the best Cousins we can get. So it's unfortunately not up to us. It's going to be up to Quazy and Kevin O'Connell. Well, if you're if you're gonna if Vikings. yeah if you're gonna let the Cousins play it out, and I would that would be my preference to be as well because at some point, like you say, you have to you have to have like the the future. Like what's the what's the succession plan to Cousins? Because at thirty five, like you say, even if you get two or three extra years out of them, you, you've got to come to that point. It's at some, right. uh, and it's going to, it's going to get here pretty quickly. Um, and so uh, that, that is the, I'd prefer that he played it out, but you've, in order to do that for next year, you've got to, the Vikings would have to, like, they'd have to have their succession plan started as of this draft. And I don't, I don't know where that, that comes from. Or at least have uh, it in place for the next one. Yeah. Um, like, there's, there's some quarter, I mean, there's there's better some quarterbacks. Quarter- there's supposedly a better quarterback crop in 2024 than there is in 2024. Well, yeah, but that's, we hear that's that almost a, every year. Every year, there's there's some guys that are going to be out in the open market this year. Uh, Gardner Minshew, even Jimmy Garoppolo, where you'd be kind of like going to be out. Are, those could what, be. Those hey, could be. I don't know. Brock Purdy, Mister yeah. Irrelevant. Brock Purdy continues to win. And say he gets the Niners to the Super Bowl, the Niners have a choice. They spent all that money on Trey Lance or all those picks on Trey Lance. But if Brock Purdy goes out there and wins them a Super Bowl, you now have a problem in San Francisco because who do you keep? Your Super Bowl winning quarterback or you go back to Trey Lance who was injured and only has potential? Uh, It's... It's going to be interesting. I'd love to trade for Trey Lance to the Vikings, but I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, just one of those dream things. It, it all depends. It's fluid. And we'll see as it goes down, and we'll talk about it much more between now and then. The uh, the one thing that can be sure is it's it's not a – it's not – whatever decision they make is not going to be – it's one that – it's not, not an easy decision to make because there's pros and cons to both. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I hope that the, if the, if Quasi Dovamensa is into analytics as much as he is, he must know, uh, the history of quarterbacks at the age and, and when they start to really go down the, uh, go down the, the tubes and, and not play near the level they once did, as we saw with, uh, with Matt Ryan, uh, this year. If you want to know what, what Kirk Cousins could be when he's 37, look at Matt Ryan now. Uh, yeah. I don't think... I don't think the Vikings want that as their starting quarterback two or three years' time. Well, and Chuck says uh, the Vikings never take enough swings at quarterbacks to find uh, that home run one. I agree with you, Chuck. I think they should take one at least every other year just for development purposes. And if they develop and they're well, but you've still got your starter guy, then you've got great trade value like New England trading Garoppolo. It's, it's a proven method that works, but they have not done it because we've had other needs like cornerback on the defensive side because they've not lived up to potential. And so Clifford, Trey Lance has played one here. Clifford, I said potential. He's got potential. I didn't say he's proven. Not even close. But uh, anyways... With that, any last words there, buddy? 
No, we're just uh, going to watch some football this afternoon and dream yes. about what the Vikings could have been there and what mm-hmm. they need to do to be there in 2023. Well, that's the night game. The afternoon game is going to be fun in itself. You have yes. the Cincinnati going up to Buffalo. And then who wins that depends on where the championship's going to be played. Because if Cincinnati wins, then it's at, at in Atlanta, the neutral field site, and Kansas City will go there. If Buffalo wins, then it's in Kansas City, if I've got that right. No, or maybe one of the way, opposite one of the others. But it's going to be interesting to see. And then, of course, Dallas and San Francisco, which we do not have to like either team. I do not. Uh, just by what they've done to us in the past, I despise Dallas more than I do San Francisco, but both of them have bad memories. So, But we hope it's a good game and fun game to watch unlike last night's game. I think it'll be a good one. And Davey says, fix the Wi-Fi towers with the do line. Do you know what the do line is? I sure do. Just an early warning line. Uh-huh. Only went out, only went out once today. So. Uh-huh. That's all you can hear. I think Katie's home because Merlin's party. With that, what do we say, buddy? We say, Skull Vikings! Oh my Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found, and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.